Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Isios. What is up, everybody? Super grateful to be here today. If you're new to University of Adversity, welcome to the family. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. I appreciate you so much. Today's conversation is all about health and nutrition. We talk about why programs fail and why some succeed. And yeah, we kind of unpack all of all of that stuff. It's it's crazy because we talk about health on the show quite a bit, and everybody has their own perspective. And my guest today, Jason Priest. Um, has been able to create an incredible community. He's a health, co- he's a fitness coach, a nutrition coach, and he's designed these programs that are really realistic for people and allows them to succeed because he allow because he, he allows a cheat day or a day to let your hair down. Him specifically, he loves his beers and his burgers on the weekends. If you follow him on social media, he takes pride in that, and I really like that realistic approach because life is hard sometimes and. Diet and nutrition doesn't always have to be so serious. And I like his method a lot. Um, You know, obviously everybody I talk to, everyone does things differently. At the end of the day, you got to just pick what's right for you. But I think you guys will enjoy his approach and he's got the results from it too. He's also the creator of the Dad Bod Pod podcast, which I encourage you guys to check out. And yeah, we get into his story and how he came to be in this situation, what he did before and you know, what his plan is. So hope you guys enjoy this at the end, take a screenshot of the episode, tag us in there and let us know your number one takeaway. I love to get those. I love to see that being shared around. And um, if you can subscribe, leave a review, all that good stuff. Jason Priest coming right up, ladies and gentlemen. Jason, what's up, bro? Thanks for joining us today. Hey, absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me, Lance. I'm, I'm happy to try to add any value that I can to your audience. Absolutely, man. And, you know, we talked a while back, got to know you a little bit. And, you know, I've obviously been following your journey with, you know, DadBot and DadBot Podcast. You're doing some great things, bro. And I love your energy and your social media and everything, right? So before we unpack what you're up to now, I always like to give a little bit of insight into your past, you know, other than the intro as to kind of who you are and kind of how you got to where you are today. No doubt, man. And I'll, uh, I'll try to, I'll try to get the, uh, give you the shortened version. Cause I'm a, I can be a bit of a rambler because it was such a checkered past, but I grew up in a, uh, a single parent household. My dad was still a part of my life. And, um, but you know, I, I, my mom had custody and my mom had a, a slew of health problems. She has since passed away. She died when I was 25. She was 49 at the time. And mm-hmm. so, but during that journey, when I was growing up and going to school, um, you know, I, I became very, very, very fully entrenched in the soccer scene. Like that was my sport. I played soccer for 15 years and my, my dad was basically someone that thrived off of that. Like that was his time with me, watching me and taking me to all my practices and games. And he was, he was kind of a bit of a, a overbearing guy when it came to um, you know, observing me, like he wanted, he wanted me to do good. I get it, man. But, but the way that it, the way that it was handled wasn't to my liking, especially as a rebellious teen. Um, and so 
you know, I had a lot of pain from my, from my mom's status because she was, uh, she was an alcoholic. She smoked in the house. She was very severely depressed, had a slew of health issues herself. And so I was basically watching her take years off of her life every time I was at home. And that was painful for me. And so basically I turned to drugs, man, like a lot of people do when you've got pain, especially at a young, vulnerable age like that. I didn't really have a strong father figure in my life who could provide guidance for me. We, we had like every other weekend visitation and then the soccer stuff. So I basically had to raise myself, man. My mom did everything she could, but from probably the age of, let's say, 13 um, up through high school, man, like a lot of that was on me. And I just turned to the drug crowd. I got, uh, I got involved in the rave scene, and that was that was the way that I was able to cover up my pain. And so, um, it's it's crazy that I'm telling you this though, because I didn't realize that I was doing all that um, due to pain. I just thought that that was my lifestyle. And, and later on in life, I would reflect back and really have this kind of moment where I'm like, you know, I was a miserable person inside and that was my outlet. So basically I continued down that, that dark path, got out of high school. And it's funny because, you know, one, one thing led to another, I was too, too deep into the drug scene and I knew that I needed to make a change. I knew that I was too good for that. I was too smart for that. And I needed to do something with my life to have a quick outlet to get out of that, that scene. And so um, I was taking some prerequisite classes at a community college and I stumbled upon two dudes who were talking about nursing school and I'd never heard of that. I didn't know what, anything about it. So I kind of asked them a couple questions and one thing led to another. I applied to get into nursing school. I said, that is my ticket to freedom because it was a two year program. I'm a registered nurse, but it was a, I did an associate de degree program. And so at the age of 23, I graduated from nursing school. And it's funny because those guys said that they were enrolling the next semester. And after that conversation, I think it was a lifespan psychology class. I never saw those dudes again. Um, and so if they didn't have that conversation and during that class, I don't know where I'd be today because I met my wife in the hospital. She's a pharmacist. And so I met her in the hospital. I would have never met my wife. I don't know where I would be. And so um, I'm fortunate enough to stumble upon that, but so yeah, so I graduated from nursing school at 23, immediately started working in an intensive care unit, which, um, hindsight being 2020 wasn't the smartest decision because I was exposed to a lot of, uh, scary things. Um, I've pumped on the chests of, you know, early, early thirties and even some 20 year olds from drug overdoses, some 30 and, and 40 year olds from massive heart attacks. So I have a lot of, uh, we call it scars for my early career of nursing. And uh, I would later go on to, you know, my mom passed away when I was 25, two months after I got married. She died on September 11th, uh, four years after our country, the, the U.S. got attacked. And so that's a very, a very uh, memorable day for me, right? And so I got, I become very depressed, uh, put on a bunch of weight, was drinking a bunch of beer, uh, eating a bunch of fast food. And, um, you know, basically ballooned up to 60 pounds heavier than I am now and uh, just became sick and tired of sick and tired. Uh, went through my own weight loss transformation, was featured in men's health for that. And, um, you know, we, we moved, I was, I was away in a different town then. My wife was going to pharmacy school. Um, and when we moved back to Dallas, I started working in, in corporate wellness, became a personal trainer, became a health coach and a fitness nutrition specialist, and really just grouped all that together. I did that for about nine years. 
and then utilized all that knowledge and experience and compassion that I have to help others to then uh, start my business a little over a year ago. Wow. So, dude, that nursing, that whole industry, that whole scene is a tough gig. Like, yes. I know, like the, the program itself is not easy to do. It's one of the hardest programs. Yes. And you, you, they don't get paid enough money for the work that they do. Not at all. And the shit that you guys go through or you went through and what you have to see and the psychological, the, the, taking it home and the- 100%, man. Like, talk us through, I mean, because it's rewarding, right? Like, obviously, that's a very rewarding thing, but how, how did that affect you emotionally? Because- It definitely did, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, and I, I hate to make this analogy because I've used it in the past- and it's, it's certainly not meant to offend anybody because, look, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a lot of respect for the military. Um, I could not do that. Um, I'm very uh, grateful and appreciative for the soldiers who serve. But I would, you know, if you, if you took what they experienced seeing people shot and killed all the time and you, you know, maybe you minimize that times 100 or 1,000, you know, think about it along those lines, because I was going in as a very young dude. I mean, I was 23 when I first started working in the ICU, being exposed to people who were dying basically on a daily basis, man, doing CPR, pumping on the chest of some really young people, um, taking care of dying parents. You know, a lot of those situations, you're actually caring for the family more than the patients because they're the ones that are losing a loved one inevitably. Like, you know, a lot of the people that come through ICU die. And that's just the way that it is. And so emotionally, I was not at a place in my life where I probably, you know, hindsight being 2020, I would not have started in the ICU, man. Like, it, you know, wow. I got a lot of great experience there, but dude, like the things that you have to deal with on a daily basis, man, and they're 12 hour shifts. I was working night shift, which, you know, you got to be up all night and then dealing with these uh, very distraught family members. Um, you know, some psych patients who come in and throw shit at you the whole time because they're wild or they're crazy on drugs or whatever. It's just a lot to handle for anybody, but especially at a young, vulnerable age for somebody like me who just came out of the drug scene, I was trying to like do better with my life. And now all of a sudden I'm dealing with this like craziness. So it was, it was tough, man. Yeah. Because you guys aren't taught the skills to, to deal with the grief and to deal with that kind of shit. No, that's the thing. And, and no. people don't realize how much people in that, you carry that around, you know, because when you break a leg or you break an arm, you can see it, right? And you right. can feel it. But, you know, and, and this, goes, this goes along with everything, with mental illness, with all this stuff, the stuff 100%. that you carry from there. Yeah, you can't see it, but it's affecting you. And I just cannot believe some of the stuff and how it's not taught be like, Hey, you're going to be dealing with this stuff on a daily yeah. basis. Like here are the tools to get through that because people lose their minds, man. Like, yes. You're not given any warning like that. It's like you go and you learn the tactical stuff, right? Like yeah. go and learn how to put in a damn catheter and how to start an IV and uh, how to draw blood and like, you know, how to take vital signs and do all the things that you need to do. And then when you get in the ICU, I went through some training before I worked in the ICU, right out of nursing school, I did like an internship. It was like a three month internship where I learned, you know, way more technical stuff than I learned in nursing school with, with shit that most people don't, I, I won't even use the terminology because it's, you know, balloon pumps and swan gans catheters, like crazy yeah. stuff that most lay people don't know about. Right. And so 
I would go and learn about all this stuff and, and that's fine and dandy, but that's the technical side. And like you said, with the emotional side, it just, it weighs on you heavily and it's not something that I can really explain. I just, yeah. it led to me, um, I, there, there's bits and pieces that I take away from that, that I leverage then to be so passionate about what I do because the mission that I'm on right now is, is not to help people get, you know, ripped and shredded and be an Instagram model. My mission is I want to help men and other dads be around for their kids, be around for their family, be the, that the leader of their family in every aspect so that they can become the healthiest version of themselves. Not necessarily, this is not vanity. This is, I want you to be alive to experience the only life that you have and not be debilitated by the time you're 50 because you didn't choose to take care of yourself on the front end. And now you've had multiple massive heart attacks or a stroke or kidney disease or whatever. Um, that's the, the message that I'm trying to convey, man. And so that's why I'm so passionate about what I do because I've witnessed real life shit that most people don't ever want to see, let alone have to see. Yeah. And on a positive note, I mean, you did, there, there's gotta be some takeaways from that, that you've been able to be like, all right, fuck, I've learned. There's a lot of value in there that most people won't get. And now you to be able to come into this sort of this lifestyle and to be able to look back and go, okay, I'm sure that the dietary, like you go to a hospital and you see what people are getting fed for one, there's jello <laughs> yeah. and jello. You wouldn't give you wouldn't give the healthiest human in the world this food on a, uh, to say, but you give it to somebody on their deathbed. It's fucked. Like, what are your, <laughs> what are your, what are your not, what do you think about that? And, and from all that you learned about nutrition in the hospitals and like, what about now? Like that mainstream bullshit that was going on, like how has that helped you in, in your program now at educating people? Yeah, no doubt, man. And that's a great question because you're right. Like hospital food, it's very much like airplane food unless you're in first class, right? Like it's, it's slop and all they're doing is minimizing costs and then trying to, you know, they, they try to paint this picture that, okay, you're going to get an 1800 calorie ADA diet, which is, you know, the American Dietetic Association, or you're going to get a diabetic diet. So it's essentially sugar-free freaking uh, ice or sherbet or something. And then this dry ass sandwich on whole grain bread. I mean, it's just not, it, it, it's not anything that you would choose to eat. Right. But, but one of my big, um, you know, kind of one of my big core values. And like, you see my logo in the back, like that's why I have the burgers and the beer on my logo is that that's very much part of my life. And, but there's a time and a place. And so yeah. the way that I approach nutrition is this, is that you know, it doesn't need to be perfect, but you've got to realize that food is fuel. You must, you know, must eat for need and not for greed the majority of the time, right? Like say food is for fuel, not for drool other than the cheat meals. But if yeah. you can get to a point in your life where you know that like for me, religiously every Friday night and every Saturday night typically is a cheat meal. Okay. If you can get to a point in your life where you follow a, a very structured plan and you know that you can't have that greasy bacon and egg cheeseburger on a Tuesday, but you know you can have it on a Friday as long as you follow through with your commitment to yourself, the promises that you're making to yourself to eat healthy and be the healthiest version of yourself. It helps you keep your sanity because I love a good IPA. I, like, I live in Texas. I like some Dos Equis, some Mexican beers, and, and that's all fine and dandy, but when you let the burgers and the beers creep into your life 
on a more consistent basis than they need to be, that's when you start to spiral out of control. And so for me, it's about sustainability. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm very anti-keto. I'm very anti-Whole30. Like those things can work, but for how long? Like how many people can honestly look themselves in the mirror and tell themselves they're never going to eat carbs again? Like that's mm-hmm. fucking nonsense, man. Like you're never going to eat yeah. a piece of pizza. You're never going to eat a burger or a taco. You're going to eat your burger with a lettuce wrap. Like get real. For yeah. me, food is one of the many joys of life. But again, there's a time and a place for that. And so when you can make that shift and you realize the emphasis that you need to put on nutrition, because what we, we are what we eat, what you're putting into your body on a daily basis has a huge impact on anything that you, you experience down the, down the road in terms of health, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, cancer, uh, kidney disease, liver disease, all of these things that potentially pop up later, 99% of the time can be tied to nutrition in some form or fashion. And that's what you have to realize is that it never needs to be perfect. And I'm not a big percentage guy. Some people say 70, 30, 80, 20, 90, 10. I don't believe in that because everybody is individual. Everyone is different. Every individual, uh, their body functions a little bit differently. Their mind, their mindset is a little bit different. So whatever works for you, however you can, can hack your mind a little bit to, to believe in the fact that you're, you're in this to live a healthy lifestyle, that's what I like to do. Because when you start breaking down percentages, then you, then you create this, these little mental blocks. And I think it's all about taking the pressure off of yourself because overwhelm leads to, you know, leads to a, a higher chance of failure, right? And for yeah. me, the less overwhelmed I am knowing that I got that burger coming or that pizza on the weekend, that just means I'm motivated as hell to crush it during the week most of the time because I know those things are coming and I know that I'm going to have a relaxing weekend with my family when I can let loose a little bit and have those things. And so that's really the, the message that I try to convey to people when it comes to nutrition. I love it, man. I love it. It's, you know, and I talk to a lot of different people in the health and wellness space and I just love that perspective, you know, and it's, it's fair. It's, you want to have that, that balance. You want to be able to, you know, because what happens is our, in our, our lives are stressful and it's hard yes. to stick to diets. And I get it, man. I get what you're saying. Like, it's nice to look forward to that. And it's more, it is realistic. It's, it's easier. I would say it's easier for somebody that could, could commit for those days and then know that the cheat meal is coming. But the one thing that I'm, I, I want to know is that what about the people that lack discipline? Sure. Like, because that discipline is, is it's, it's a, it's a tough thing. Right. And some people do you find that have you had this, that anybody, that people that do have that cheat day kind of get stuck in that? Like, as far as like, cause for me, like my personal experiences, I find sometimes on cheat days, I'll, I'll like, I don't know what it is. I like, I want more, I want more of that or something. Sure. And, I, and it's harder for me, but some people can stick to that. So what do you yeah. recommend to like the, 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 the monkey brain of people yeah. that are like, Hey, I want, like, it's hard for me to bounce out of that cheat day. You know, like, do you have that? Have you experienced that with clients? I have. And you know, the, and those can be some challenging cases for me because I get it. And you know, if you come from a place where you've had issues with food in the past, right? Like I'm working with a guy right now who, um, who's had a lot of, of, lot of uh, unhealthy relationships with food throughout his life. And I'm like, look, I'm going to give you my system, man, and I think it's going to work for you. And 
when he start when he, I was like, look, all you need to do is, is keep an open mind on this. Okay. And so you use the word diet and I don't like to use that word for the simple fact that diets typically have an end date, right? Yeah. Like when you finish your diet, what's next? Yeah. What, are, what, what is the next step for you when you lose your 30 pounds and now your diet is over? You're going to go back to eating like shit again and gain the 30 pounds right back. Like that's your, your option. But to answer your question, man, it's, it's very, I think a lot of that is mindset. And that's what I do with a lot of my clients is work on the mindset piece, because here's the thing. And I, I think that as a society, uh, and, and I'll use this example. So when you go into the doctor, if you're overweight, you say you're 50 pounds overweight or even 20 pounds overweight, the number one thing they're going to tell you are, is, is that you need to eat less and make better choices and get more active. Like, Diet and exercise is what we fixate on as a society. And I firmly believe that there are four core pillars of health and fitness and nutrition are only two of them. The other two, I don't feel like we focus on enough. And I feel like if people would become laser focused on the other two, which are sleep and stress management, if you rank sleep and stress management in your life as high as fitness and nutrition. These things become non-negotiable priorities for you. Mm. Your life, it will have a trickle-down effect for the rest of your health habits, which then takes a lot of that stress off your shoulders, eliminates the overwhelm, eliminates the stress eating, eliminates the binging in most cases because you, you become laser focused on managing your stress. Mm. Sleep, lack of sleep and lack of quality of sleep is just another way, uh, is just another stress on your body. Like there's, there's lots, you know, a, a broken ankle or a sprained ankle is a type of stress. Uh, you know, fighting with a coworker or pressure from your boss is a type of stress. Well, lack of amount or quality of sleep is also a type of stress. And when our stress is, you know, a little bit of stress is good. It can, it can help spur you into action. I mean, there's, there is some positive, positive impact there. But when your stress levels are high or they're, or, or they're frequently high, you're going to be more vulnerable in utilizing food uh, as comfort or right. as a crutch. And so when your stress is managed to a point where that's not the case, then you can wrap your head around my type of system a lot easier. So to answer your question, and I think a, a, a big factor here too is sugar and I I believe that sugar is is definitely one of the one of the root causes of of why the U.S. is where it's at now. But not just sugar in its rawest form. I'm talking about your processed carbohydrates. I'm talking about white flour products, your white bread, white pasta, white rice, white tortillas. These things are very easy to overeat, yeah. but they're also turn they also turn to sugar almost immediately when you put them in your body. And so when that happens, you have this vicious cycle that starts to occur. And you're going to crave more of what that food was. And so for you, you said like the cheat meal. Well, if you went out and you had, um, you know, several pieces of pizza that were all on white flour, you know, white flour crust, which in most places aren't serving whole wheat crust, you're going to have that craving that's, that starts to set, uh, take place in your mind. And you will then crave that food again, or you may crave something sweet after that because of that that impact that sugar has on our brain. It's very much like a drug. There's a lot of studies out there that compare sugar to heroin. I mean, it's a very, you know, they're doing a lot of rat studies that have shown it's very similar. And so the, the reason I bring that up is because 
if you pull sugar out of your diet for the most part, and your sugar sources are fruit, you know, low sugar fruit, I'm a big fan of berries, they're loaded with nutrients, lower in sugar, um, and you're only having sugar once in a while, then it can minimize some of those, those cravings or that desire to binge eat. For me, it's, you know, burger and some fries, maybe an ice cream after with my son, and then the, right the next day, like say that's dinner on a Friday night, all day Saturday, I'm, Saturday, I'm laser focused on my nutrition, um, I'm dialed in because I know that Saturday night I'm going to have another cheat meal mm. and what, however that may look. And so once I do that on Saturday night, now I know I've had cheat, cheat meal number two. And when I say cheat meal, I don't mean a whole large pizza and a six pack of beer, right? You got to do, you got to use some, some, some yeah. intelligence here. But once that cheat meal is done, I may still like, if we grill out on a Sunday, we do a lot of grilling out here in Texas if we grill out on Sunday, I may still have a, a couple of beers while we're grilling out, but I'm then laser focused on Sunday all day on healthy, nutritious choices because that starts my new foundation for the week so that I can build that momentum again going into the week again, and then I just repeat the process. It's not a hard structure to follow once you, again, manage your stress and work on the mindset piece knowing that I can't have it today but I can have it later. And, and that's the, the whole thing. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to have that 1% better everyday mentality. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think what keeps people from, from cracking as well is not being hard on themselves. Yes. You know, being hard on themselves is what, cause they're like, oh, well I fucked up. So I'm just gonna, that's it. Throw in the towel. And, it happens so often, man. Yeah. And it's, it's because, you know, like I, I think a large percentage of that, of those people it's because they wait so long to take action. They become sick and tired of being sick and tired. And something in their mind tells them that they gain 50 pounds overnight, right? We live in an immediate right. gratification society. <laughs> you and I both have $1,000 computers sitting right next to us where we can go to Google and look up anything we want and get an immediate response. Or I can ask Siri or I can ask Alexa or I can go out onto the corner and get fast food in 10 minutes and be home with a huge, delicious, greasified meal. And we expect results quickly. That's just the society that we're in. And so when you have that mentality and that's what your all, your expectations are always immediate, immediate, immediate. Well, you start to then transition those type of thoughts into your health. And so you lose sight of the fact that it took you 10 years to gain 80 pounds or that it took you five years to gain 30 pounds. And so you expect things to happen so quickly. And when you're not getting those immediate results, and you're, you've only put in two weeks of work, you know, you have to realize what's going on on the inside is just as important, even more so important than what's going on, on the outside. And it's a process. It's a journey. And until somebody can buy into the fact that it's a truly a journey, this is not a race, then they're going to struggle. If their why is not much deeper than, hey, I just want to look better in the mirror. If, you're, if your why doesn't go way beyond that, then you're going to struggle. And so to your point, yes, I see it a lot because they get overwhelmed. They, they delay taking action so long that it's like, okay, I'm ready to take action. I did perfect for a week and I didn't lose 10 pounds. Fuck. Now I'm going to go it. eat a whole pizza, right? <laughs> like it's just a, uh, and it's sad, but that's how the human brain works, man. Yeah. And so, um, I love technology and I love immediate gratification in many areas, yeah. but in my space, it is very challenging at times because people want that quickly. And I'm like, dude, I, so with my private programs, 
I do not, I, I have started to get to the point where like, I do no month to month anymore. It's a minimum three month commitment because I want to have the enough time to teach you everything that I can teach you work on your mindset as much and as thoroughly as I possibly can and get you to a place where you now have a blueprint for sustainability. I'm not guaranteeing you're going to lose 40 or 50 pounds in three months. But what I am guaranteeing is if you buy into my process and you listen to the things that I'm teaching you and you implement that into your life, your life is going to be simple, simple, simple moving forward because you've now gotten to a place where you've focused on the four core pillars of health and now that overwhelm is gone and you see the light at the end of the tunnel because results are starting to happen, but you have a realistic, sustainable way to live. And mm. that's the key, man, for anybody. I love it, man. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so let's, what does the day, the life of the dad bod look like? The yeah, perfect, man, let's I, say, I know days aren't perfect, but like, you know, on your perfect day, if you're going to have the best day and you're going to, that is like, what would it look like from start to, well, let's talk, let's start in the morning. Are you talking about like my normal day to day? No, yeah, cheating, like, you know, like a, yeah. like a Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. Like you're, you're like, Hey, I, I have this, this, this today. Yep. I need to be laser focused. I need to feel great. Here's what I'm going to do today. No doubt. I had to do that today because we, uh, I've had, uh, let's see, this is my third podcast interview. And then I did a, a presentation for another group. So in order to be ready for Lance's podcast <laughs> at 5 PM, my time after talking all day, I needed to be ready. Right. Yeah. So basically this is the way that, that my life looks. And I follow it, It's funny because I follow what's basically, I call it a modified version of intermittent fasting. And all that means is that I, uh, instead of getting up and, and totally skipping any meal or breakfast, I took some bits and pieces of some, um, some quote unquote diets that I followed throughout the years and just piece them together with what worked best for me. And so what I do is I'm up, uh, every day at five or five 30, depending on, you know, what happened the night before I do five, the very first thing that I do when I wake up, I don't check text, don't check email, no DMS, no nothing. Five minutes of gratitude journal. I think about the five or six things that I'm most grateful for at that moment. And I write them down in an app in my phone. Immediately after that, I head to the, uh, one of the, our spare, our second living room, sit on the couch, set my timer and do 10 minutes of meditation, which is my time. So the first 15 minutes I've dominated my day. I've yet to check my phone. Immediately after that, I go and listen to about a five-minute little uh, motivational podcast that my mentor does, uh, and I make coffee, and I kind of reflect on the day, kind of start gathering my thoughts. And so essentially what I've done, and I overhauled my morning routine, let's say, a little less than a year ago, and when I did this, it, it allowed me to be proactive about my day versus being reactive to the day. I found that when I was laying in bed, hitting snooze four times, and then immediately diving into emails and all that nonsense. Like, that's not my day. That's the cell phone dictating my day. And I didn't want that anymore. And so when I did this, it changed my life. Dude. Like enough to where I made an entire online course just on this with no fitness, no nutrition, just overhaul. It, I think the course is called like building, uh, building the morning routine or of a high performer or becoming a high performer, something like that. So the first 30 minutes of my day is very proactive instead of reactive. And so when I make my coffee, I do, I, I start with two full glasses of water. Uh, you always, you, you should always hydrate before you caffeinate. I've gone all night long. The human body goes 
six, seven, eight hours, plus the couple hours that you, you didn't drink water before you went to bed. So let's call it 10 or 12 hours. You've gone with no water. You're dehydrated. So I immediately hydrate two glasses of water with a little bit of a uh, little bit of plain whey protein powder just to get a little protein in my stomach. And then I put a tablespoon of coconut oil in my first cup of coffee. So now I have a little bit of protein, some healthy fats on board, but with still no carbs. That that's the modified part of the intermittent fasting piece that I've implemented. And with that, that allows me to then fast for anywhere from four to five hours before I have my first real meal of the day. That usually comes around 10 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I'll do this is, I, I eat this exact same breakfast probably 350 days a year. Okay. It's four eggs with about a quarter of a red onion chopped, a large handful of spinach shredded. I do it all in the microwave. I top it with about two tablespoons of salsa and a whole avocado. That's how I start my, that's how the very first meal of my day every day. That's a great meal. And around, let's call it 1230 or one, I head to the gym. I'm in and out of the gym in under an hour every time. I don't believe in spending hours in the gym. Same thing I do with my clients. I go in, warm up, get in a good stretch, head to the weight room, do about 25 minutes of heavy weights, head to the cardio room, some days I'll do steady state cardio on an elliptical or a bike. And then some days I do interval training on an elliptical out of the gym in under an hour, back to the office, work the rest of the day. Um, after my workout, I slam a protein shake and a banana. And then about, let's call it about 30 to 45 minutes later, I'll eat my next real meal, which is always leftovers from the night before. Usually that looks something like salmon, sweet potato and asparagus or it could be uh, chicken, cauliflower, and black rice, some kind of protein, healthy carb source, and a vegetable. And then later on, uh, I'll, I'll work for a while, and then I go pick up my son, let's call it around 5.30. So right before I go pick up my son, I have another protein shake uh, with a, a large salad with spring mix, some nuts. I'm big on healthy fats, man. Walnuts, almonds, pecans, pistachios maybe throw some pumpkin seeds in there, some sunflower seeds, whatever we have. Um, and then I always throw some berries in there. So raspberries, blackberries, blueberries are my staple. Go get him, come home, get him ready for, for bed. Then I'm the cook of the family most nights. So then I prepare dinner, basically a dinner like I described to you. My last meal of the day comes around eight o'clock and then that's it. No, no more food. I'll usually have a little bit of water after dinner and then nothing else before bed. And that is literally a day in the life of dad bod health, man. And, and that's, I'm very, very, very structured until Friday and Saturday night. Like those are my days until I have my cheat meals. So you do, you do between eight and 10 hours is your window. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's probably about 10 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's solid. That's good. Yeah. Especially if you're working out, that's perfect. That's yeah, man. That's awesome. I, I love getting an insight into that because um, it's a very, it's realistic for people, right? That's, that's a very realistic way to eat. And if you're going to eat like that, it's, I mean, you, you, yeah, like it's, it's, it's hard to fall off that. Well, and that's just like, it. Like I still need enough calories to, to put up with our, you know, to, to support my workouts. Right. Course, so, yeah. you know, that's why I, I probably eat somewhere around 2,500 calories a day, 24, 2,500 yeah. calories. A day. And I'm in maintenance mode. Like, I'm not trying to gain any mass. I'm about 175 right now. Not trying to gain any mass. Yeah. Um, could I lean out a little bit more? Sure. But I'm very happy with my physique right now. 
And if I was to give up the burgers and the beer on the weekend, I would probably be much, much more shredded. I'd say my body fat percentage is around, let's say 10 right now. Yeah, that's I could good. probably get it down like seven or eight if I gave up that stuff. But like, but that's for what life. for what reason, man? Like if you're yes. if you're in you're ten percent body fat, and you're running that kind of thing, and you can have a burger and beer on the weekend, man. It's why amazing. change why, it, why? man? Like I love my life, of right? Course, and, yeah. and that's why I'm so passionate about the way that I approach my clients. Is dude, like you can have my life too. All you have to do is follow this this structure. Now I get it. There's a lot that we need to work on. Again, going back to those those core pillars. Like yeah. it's not all about fitness and nutrition. I can give you that, but we've got to dial in your sleep and we've got to dial in the stress management. And when you get those four core pillars aligned with the person that you want to become, dude, the sky becomes the limit for you, man. Yeah, man. No, I love it. So, okay. Let's, let's pivot a little bit. I, I, I'm curious about, you know, all right. Aside from the health side of it, as an entrepreneur, as this journey what, you know, what we're up to and, and building a business, what has been one of your biggest challenges in doing this? You know, coming from when you're in a structure, you get your paycheck, you get your hours and, right. you know, sometimes it's, it's easier to know that you're getting, you're part of that system. It sucks yep. at the same time, but when you're on your own and you, you got the, you don't, you don't, you don't know, right. It's the entrepreneurial journey. You know, yeah. what are some of the, what are, what are your biggest challenges that you're facing or have faced on this journey so far? Yeah, no doubt, man. And that's a great question because I have a lot of them, but I think I'll, I'll list a couple that have really stood out in my mind. One of the biggest challenges for me, um, was really, you know, realizing that I'm, I'm in this for the long game. Like this is what I'm so, this is my purpose on planet earth. Okay. And I'm a late blooming entrepreneur. I'll be 40 this year, man. And I didn't figure out, like, I, I knew that I wanted to start a business for a long time. And my wife, you know, she's like, you've always wanted to do something, but you never really knew what it would be. And so when I finally came to the conclusion that this is what I wanted to do, you know, over the last year, especially like it just becomes increasingly, um, you know, more apparent that th this is my purpose, like helping change lives and helping men get healthy so that they can be around for their kids is why I'm here. And when I finally figure that out, then knowing that like, yeah, some, some months I absolutely crush it. There's other months where, yeah, it, it waxes and wanes. Like I'm not always going to have a spectacular month and that's okay. I know that over the long haul, as long as I continue to show up, be omnipresent for my audience and let them know that like, I'm just as vulnerable, man. Like I've talked about my drug history. I, I was overweight. My mom died at a young age. I, like, I got hit with a lot of shit at a young age and my life's far from perfect, but I enjoy, I love the hell out of life, man. Like mm. I cannot tell you how much I love life. And so, and that's not to say that I don't have days where I go through, you know, and, and this is one of my challenges. Like I have self-doubt. I have self-limiting beliefs. I have had unhealthy opinions or views about money. There's been a lot of things in my life where I'm like, you know, why, why would I want more money? Like that's greedy. You know, you have that kind of, we're raised to think that, oh, the rich, rich people, you know, they're greedy. They, you know, they should donate all their money and give back. Well, fuck, the richer I am, the more I can give back, right? Like yeah. I am, I, I would love to be able to, to get 
to the point where like I'm always giving more than I'm receiving. And I feel like I do that now, but I'm talking about financially. Like I would love to be able to donate millions of dollars to charities and all this stuff. So why wouldn't I want more out of my life? And so I've dealt with self-doubt, self-limiting beliefs, and, and really f- feeling as if, am I really adding as much value as I can? Am I maximizing my potential as a person? And I know that I'm fulfilling my purpose because this is why I'm here. But, but those, those thoughts creep in every once in a while because, you know, it, I'm a human. I'm not a robot. And so, so that's one of the challenges that I've had. Another challenge that I've had is um, figuring out the right people to hire, man. Like that is such a, nobody tells you that, you know, a lot of people are very easy or very quick to say, Hey man, like you need to delegate. You need to get an awesome team. You need to have awesome people on your team. And, and really, you know, if you're going to get anywhere, like you can't do it all, you know, figure out what you love and do that and then hire out the other tasks. I cannot tell you how many times I've been burned trying to hire out the other tasks. I spent thousands upon thousands of dollars hiring the wrong fucking people. <laughs> yeah. But that's part of the journey, man. Like we all go through that. And if you're not a risk taker, if you don't, if you don't realize that you've got to take major risks along this journey to get anywhere quickly, because I don't have time to waste. Like I said, I'm going to be 40. Like if I was 25 and doing this, well then I could, I could, you know, probably lower my expectations with how quickly that I want to move. But I am not afraid to hire somebody who I think is going to help me get to the next level. And so whether that be a mentor, whether that be cutting bait with my old marketing team saying, we're not fucking getting anywhere. I don't care how much money I've spent on you. I'm moving on. Or my, you know, or my ads guy, you know, my Facebook ads guy, like anybody that is not working out for me, you know, you've got to learn to cut bait. And that's one of the biggest lessons that I've had to learn on my own, man. It's like, do your due diligence and make sure that these people actually know what the hell they're talking about. I'll tell you, I hired a guy on Facebook. This guy was all inside of my network and was claiming to be an email marketer with millions of email addresses. Okay. I'm like, okay. He's like, look, we were coming up on, uh, we were, this was in December while we were talking. We were coming up on January, which is the busiest fitness, uh, time of the month, right? Everybody's setting their new year's resolutions. They want to get fit. They're ready to dive in. Dude, I had a $47 awesome program. The, uh, let's say the, the offer itself, what it it wasn't crafted in a way that, that it is now. Like I've totally revamped that program and it's not $47 anymore. But at the time, like it was legit 40, like if you spent 47 bucks on this and you followed through, like you would get absolutely great results. I've had guys lose anywhere from 12 to 18 pounds in this one month program. And it's not starving yourself. It's just very structured from you going from shitty habits to now healthy habits. You follow through like one dude lost 18 pounds in a month by just following this program. So to summarize this, I hired this guy to do the email marketing for me. He's like, dude, I'm going to get your shit in front of millions of people. And it was this like scrapped email list. And he starts sending out email after email after email. And um, it's, it's like first week of January, second. Now we're through January. Now we're into mid-February. And I, I paid the guy like 600 bucks, completely stupid. A lot of my guys in the network used him. And he burned every one of them. One dude paid him over three grand 
for to be in front of 5 million emails and wow. didn't make a single sale. Well, a $47 fitness program, I didn't make one sale in two months of using his services. Wow. And so the takeaway from this is that you've, it, it is a journey. You're going to, you're going to hit bumps in the road, but you've got to do, you've got to learn these things as you go, because without these, these experiences, I'd be getting burned more often in the future. I'd rather get burned in the beginning and get it out of the way yeah. and have, and now be able to, you know, really, uh, leverage my experience to, to not get burned anymore. And I'm sure it'll happen again, but I now do my homework, you know, and it's, it's so crucial. And I feel like so many people come in and they're like, well, I'm going to hire this guy, this guy, and this guy. Well, what if those guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about? Because yeah. you can paint a pretty picture on the internet, right? And think <laughs> that this guy knows his shit, man. And so that's been, um, you know, those have been some lessons. The last one that I'll tell you, and this has been something that I've just recently really started to get really guarded with is my time. And so I'll have people reach out to me on, it happens most on LinkedIn, but I'll have people reach out on LinkedIn or on Facebook or, you know, hit me up in the DM and say, Hey man, um, love to love to discuss your business and maybe how we can help each other. I've got some openings, uh, uh, next Wednesday and Thursday between four and six, which one of those works for you? And I'm like, who the fuck are you, man? Like, we've <laughs> yeah. never met. And you're assuming that I'm going to give you an hour of my time so that you can get me on the phone and try to sell me some bullshit MLM or yeah. sell me your, your upgraded uh, advanced health metric system that I don't have any use for. And so <laughs> I've so had true. to become so guarded with my time, dude. Like I don't have that time to waste. So true. And when people are wasting an hour of my time, Dude, I got trapped into the same MLM presentation two times within two months and totally fell for it the second time after saying I wouldn't the first time. The dude was like, hey, man, we met at like, we met at uh, GrowthCon at Grant Cardone's uh, 10X GrowthCon. And I trusted the dude. I was like, yeah, let's connect, man. Cool. He's like, I know we talked about maybe talking about some things. And so I'd like to do this presentation for you. And I had just had this fucking presentation a month before. He gets me on the phone, dude, waste 45 minutes of my time giving me the exact same slides that I saw. I was like reciting them to him. I'm like, yep, I've seen this. I've seen this. Trying to get off the phone. He's like, oh, well, I won't, I won't take much more time. I'm like, you don't understand like what I can do in 15 minutes. Now, am I maximizing my 15 minutes every single time? No, but I don't want to waste it on the phone with your dumb ass where I'm not going to do anything with you. Yeah. And so. Hopefully those are helpful messages to anybody that's getting started because it's so huge, man. You've got to protect your time. Bro, so much gold in there. So it's huge, much. Man. You covered so much, bro. You're a fucking incredible speaker, man. Like I was like Thank you covered you. a lot there. And I, I couldn't agree. Everything you said, I was just like, oh my God, I know exactly. There's, there's so many, <laughs> like, there's so many to experts. Me too. There's so many experts at yes. everything on the fucking internet, yet they can't prove shit. They can't right. prove and show you anything. And everybody's an expert. And it's the biggest joke. And I mean, yeah, don't even get me started on that. And the whole like, hey, man, I want to I wanna pick your brain for 10 minutes. Like, it's like, well, 15 minutes. It's the same thing. I get it. I get what people are doing. Um, sure. But it's like, it's, it's, I know. And it. <laughs> but that assumption that I'm going to give you my time, yeah. it's like, I've or, got... I've got next Wednesday and Thursday between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. Which one works best for you? I'm like, 
I haven't even responded to your first message yet. And you're assuming that I'm going to give you my time. Or how about, how about the cal- how about the no calendar link? Oh God, <laughs> dude, seven email exchanges later, we finally have a time. This guy is on the West coast Pacific time and I'm central. Yeah. And his original email was, we can do Monday, Wednesday, Friday between 4 PM and 6 PM Pacific time. Yeah. Well, that's, 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. my time, and I have a four-year-old. Yeah. So that's not going to work, yeah. right? And so then, so I'm trying to coordinate with my wife. So this guy, supposedly, I, I looked him up. So I'm, I was dealing with his assistant, yeah. and this guy supposedly has built multi-seven-figure businesses, but his, his podcast is brand new. He's, in, he's on like episode, let's call it episode four. And after email exchange number three, I'm like, hey, man, like, I know we're going back and forth a lot. Can, can you send me his scheduler link? The dude was like, unfortunately, we don't have that set up yet. I'm like, bro, it's 2019. Like, go over to Calendly right now. Yeah. Knock it out in five minutes and fucking send me some options. And so it, it's just <laughs> yeah. disrespect for people's time. Like, yeah. I, I feel I value the hell out of people's time, especially if I'm having someone on as a guest on my podcast or it's one of my clients. Like, yeah, if man. I'm late by five minutes, like I feel bad. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm super apologetic. I'm like, dude, I know your time is very valuable because I, I want to, I want to be shown that same level of respect, man. It's mm-hmm. just a, it should be commonplace this day and age with the amount of technology we have. Totally, bro. Totally. So I'll get off my soapbox, man. Oh those, man. Those it's all good. That, it's all good. You know, where, it is it is. where can everybody find you brother? Yeah, absolutely, man. So uh, on Facebook, I'm the only Jason Priest with a green shirt on there. I post a lot. Come, come send me a request, and I'd love to connect with you. Uh, the, the best place to find me, though, is on Instagram with, with the most valuable content you'll find on me. I'm very active in my stories. Um, I do a lot of, you know, I show you a lot of what I'm eating. I add a lot of value onto my main page in terms of just mindset stuff and really figuring out how to navigate this, this world of health. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, if, if anybody wants to try a seven day free trial of my man up community, man, that's, you get access to my fitness app. You get access to my private fit, uh, private Facebook group, which is loaded with custom meal plans, uh, stress management tools, all kinds of cool shit. We also do monthly health habit change challenges where I'm checking on these guys daily. It's just a great, great group of guys just looking to become healthier. Um, you can get a seven day free trial of that at uh, themanupcommunity.com. And after that, it's literally $9.97 a month. So for the price of one fast food meal a month, you can get healthy, be exposed to a great group of guys that are there to support you, hold you accountable, but also have all the tools at your fingertips with the fitness and nutrition and all the things that we cover. So those are, the, those are my spots, man. Awesome, dude. Yeah. And I highly recommend you guys check out his Instagram, check out all your stuff, man, because you, you do, you do add a lot of value and Thank I you. love your realistic, your real approach to living. Cause we have to live our lives. Yeah. You know, we got to have, and sometimes you got to have the burger, you got to have the beer. It's fucking, you got to live your life. And dude. I appreciate what, how you show up, bro. I, I honestly do. I think you do a great job. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. And, and to be honest with you, man, like I'm not advocating for everybody to be an Instagram model or the cover of men's health. Like just get healthy, make yourself a priority. You know, whether you connect with me or not getting around fitness minded people will only bring positive influence into your life. It might not affect you in any other area of life, but we can all agree that health is wealth. 
your body is your number one asset. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to build your business and you want to scale your business, well, you better be ready to scale your health with your business because the grind, as we love to call it, will grind your ass right into the ground. And so make yourself a priority. It is the most selfless act that you can do. You cannot take care of anybody else unless you take care of yourself. So make decisions today to make your future self proud. Beautiful. Well said. We're going to have everything in the show notes to so come check you out, bro. I, I really appreciate it. I'm just going to end with the one staple question I always ask at the end. I leave the easiest one till the end. <laughs> Absolutely. What, I, I know we've covered a lot and you probably covered it, but I just, I really like to make it clear at the end. You know, what, yeah, is, no what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? Yeah, I love that. That's a great question, man. Um, you know, adversity has taught me more about my own personal growth and development than anything else. And without adversity, we cannot grow. I firmly believe that life, and this is an Ed Milet quote, so I'm not stealing that. Maybe it's not his quote, but he says it often. And I've, I'm a firm believer, and I believe that I've believed this before, just never in this term. But he says that life happens for you, not to you. And when you can make that shift in your mindset, that, that allows you then to embrace adversity because without adversity, you cannot grow. Nothing grows inside of a comfort zone and you must continuously leave your comfort zone to be able to grow in life. And if you're not constantly wanting to grow, you're living a stagnant life and it's going to get you nowhere. So that, that would be my answer, man, is that adversity for me has shown me more about my ability to grow and better myself as a person. And I need it in my life, to be honest with you. Awesome. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us. I really hey, appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you having me on. And I hope that I added some value to you. Uh, it, was, it was great, bro. This was this was fucking awesome episode. I'm really happy with it. We'll have make sure everything's crystal clear for people to find you. And bro, I, 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 love, I love following you on your journey. I can't wait to see what you can create. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Okay. Love you guys. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Make sure to check out Jason. Go check out his podcast called the dad bod pod and follow him on Instagram. He's uh, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, he, he loves his burgers and beers on the weekends, but you know, he's very adamant about sticking to the program during the week. So if you guys want, go check him out on Facebook, join his community. Um, and I'm, I, you won't be disappointed. He's a great guy, as, you, as you've already heard in the conversation. So hope you guys enjoyed. Have a great day. Catch you next time.